with Lucius Kennedy on the touchline. Breaks for Cooper. Now McGee. That's a great cross. Eric Black is there. It's off the line. No, it's played in by Simpson. And Aberdeen are level. Petaudry comes alive. Neil Simpson, the scorer. So Simpson, with his ninth goal of the season, gives Aberdeen a lifeline. It looked as though Boyan had control. Created on the right. Space found to make that cross. A great ball across for McGee. Black did very well beyond the far post and nodded back to the goal line. Was blocked on the line and Simpson in typical fashion coming through to follow up and score. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. Now, there's no game for us to discuss, which I suppose um, right now is a relief. So instead, we've got a very special episode with Don's legend, Neil Simpson. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be more than familiar with Neil's work. But I spoke to him last year during lockdown, covering the full history of his time at Aberdeen, with all the highlights at the Don's, his injury issues leaving Aberdeen, retirement, and of course his return to Aberdeen, resulting in his current role as head of the Youth Academy. Enjoy. How are you doing, Neil? I'm uh, good, Martin, yourself? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, well, I think we're, can be expected during this time. Yeah, we're, we're, tr- we're all trying to cope, we're doing as best we can. Before we get into the actual the actual football chat, when you were growing up, you know, when you were you know, a young lad, maybe, um, who, was your, who was your footballing hero? Uh, well, I mean, I grew up in the sticks. I uh, went to school called uh, Clooney Primary School, which is uh, just before Arthur's, and then I moved to Newmarket. So, you know, my uh, I was a Aberdeen uh, supporter through and through. My family were all Aberdeen supporters, and I suppose probably Joe Harper, Bobby Clark, and Davy Robb were probably my uh, the players that I admire for, for Aberdeen. Uh, I was also a Leeds United supporter uh, because my uncle and auntie stayed in Harrogate, so I always uh, supported them as a youngster. And I suppose the, the players I admired from them was Billy Bremner and Peter Lorimer, obviously two Scots. I think the first sort of real tournament that I uh, really watched was the World Cup in 1970. Mm. So you got the opportunity to watch some of the world stars well on a black and white TV. <laughs> uh, but Obviously, the Brazil team, Pelé, Rivalino, Gerson, Tostal, you know, some of the goals they scored really, really, really inspired you as a, as a youngster uh, watching that. Mm. It was brilliant. Yeah. So, so when you're, pl- when you're playing out in the back, eh, was, it, uh, was it King Joey that you were modelling your game, <laughs> on, make game on? Some folk will think it was David Robb. <laughs> no, I, I modelled my game really in anyone. I just... You know, you used to speak to yourself when you were, when you were kicking the ball when you were seven, eight years of age, and I always had the ball at my feet all the time, kicking the ball off the wall. I mean, I also like playing goals, because when I stayed, there was like a washing line uh, right next to the house with the two hosts uh, mm. with the, the washing line, and I used to throw the ball up on the roof, and the ball used to come down, hit this drain. Of course, if the ball flew up in different directions, and I used to dive about and, and try and save it for what it went into the, went into the goal. So, 
I, I really just, I, I didn't model myself in India really. Yeah. And I just, I love football and obviously like playing, playing all the time. Yeah. Having, you know, and that's all I had to do. You really, you know, I stayed probably three miles away from, from school. So I had to cycle there and back every day when I was like, Seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. So it was a long, long cycle back. But some people used to say that's what I used to get men because <laughs> I got a built up my stamina with all these cycle rides I had when I was younger. When you were sort of finding your feet in football, were you were you always a midfielder? You weren't one of these like Willie Miller, who was a striker no, who was converted to defence. No. When I started at secondary school, I was actually a right winger, <laughs> <laughs> a speedy right winger. But when I when I went to uh, join my boys club Middlefield, obviously then I started to play in midfield and then when I at school later on I, I become a midfield player. When you play in the small side of pitch anyway, you when you used to play in the wee park, park you used to play in your market, you just played every position. Because <laughs> whatever the ball was, you, you were just there really. You mentioned, obviously, you got your start there at Middlefield Wasps before signing for Aberdeen in 1978. It was very interesting. Last weekend, you posted some pictures on your Twitter page of some um, some rejection letters you got from some clubs, Sheffield United and Manchester City being to them. That must have been very disappointing for you as a youngster. Joining Middlefield obviously gave me the opportunity to play against some of the best players because I think... Youth football then was pretty elite, um, just to my recollection, because you'd like the primary setup, you'd under 40s, under 60s, under 18s. So, I mean, you were playing against probably the best players in the whole area, and it was a dual age band, so you were playing some amazing and so boys. So, I think that really uh, brought us on, but Middlefield were really good and proactive in terms of organised friendlies against some. Lot of good teams, and I remember playing Easter trades uh, down in Leven, and there were scouts there from every team you can think of at these games. So from that, I actually got asked to go to Aston Villa, Sheffield United, Man City, Middlesbrough, and Blackpool also asked me as well. And I was really keen to go to Blackpool because I'd been my holidays there like two years before, and I absolutely loved it. And so when I got that, I got not, but I was quite disappointed at the time. At the time, it was just a great adventure. You know, going down down in the train. It was not always by myself, but, you know, there might have been two or three boys from Aberdeen, like Stuart, uh, Stuart Forsyth, who then went to Arbroath and played for Dundee. Uh, his son is actually playing for Derby at the moment. So, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I, I mean, I really, really, really enjoyed uh, all the adventures. And even when one of the Man City travels that I went down, and Dennis Law's brother-in-law, Sonny Burns, and his wife actually drove me down and I went to Dennis Law's house from a, from a well, it must have been tea then, actually, the time we drove him down to, to Manchester. So I was sitting in Dennis Law's house, having a right good chat with him, and he was giving me all advice on how things would, how I should do and, and, and everything. But unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't work out. Aston Villa was my first trial, and as I said, Stuart Forsyth was, was down with that. And it was brilliant. I remember training with Andy Gray and Gordon Cowens when I was like 14 at Man City. I remember there was an afternoon session and then he came back to the dressing rooms. The sauna, I mean, I'd never been in a sauna before, so a lot of the trials went to the sauna and came out and had a shower. And Joe Corrigan, who was the biggest guy I'd ever seen, he said, hey, what are you doing? And you're sure to get that to cold. So he made us all the trials. 
uh, going to Golden Shower for about five minutes and nobody was getting moved uh, from, from that. When you get the letter, obviously disappointed at the time. Uh, the Aberdeen's uh, trials are our uh, coaching programme actually didn't start up until I was 15 and it was actually through Lenny Taylor and Bobby Clark. Lenny used to do the, the schoolboy select and obviously being in the, the Aberdeen uh, secondary select I got invited down to Pataudry so probably 15 onwards I, would, I was still bubbling away while I was going down these trials and I actually I probably I mean I always wanted to sign for Aberdeen but everybody felt it was a great experience going down to these clubs I think it was in November before I signed for Aberdeen in December. Middlesbrough came in and said, look, we, we'll fly you down now uh, to go down. And so uh, I went down Middlesbrough on the Saturday. Uh, actually, there was a training session on the, the Sunday. I played for the reserves when I was on like 15 and beat some Barnsley 4 nil. I then played for the youth team the next day. And then that youth team was Craig Johnston who played for Liverpool, Hodgson, who played for Liverpool eventually, uh, Matt Proctor. I think there was about five boys that wanted to make really better, a really good, good team. So I actually got the contract form put in my case when I was doing that. Obviously, I couldn't say that until I discussed it uh, at home. Uh, but, I mean, in my, in my head, I really wanted to sign for Aberdeen. So when I got back home, I'd, I'd phoned the... Uh, Len Taylor and Bobby Clark and said, look, I'm definitely signing for Aberdeen. And I suppose the rest, the rest is history. But fantastic experience going down to, to these clubs and I could see this in good stead mm-hmm. for the future. And even, like, when you get the knockback, it just makes you more determined than ever uh, to, to succeed. You made your Aberdeen debut on 11th October 1978 in the League Cup against Hamilton, um, a 7-1 win. You set up one for Joe Harper on that day as well, I believe. What were the early days like for a young player in, in that dressing room? Do you, I, I guess it comes, you just have to be a strong character, because there's obviously senior professionals like Bobby Clark and King Joey himself. It would be very easy for a, a, a timid young lad to just be eaten alive, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, I joined at Christmas. What everybody concluded was I would just carry on playing for my boys' club until the season ended, but I was training at uh, a full-time player. From training with your boys' club in the school, next minute you're training with Joe Harper, Tom Sullivan, Stuart Kennedy, Wally Muller, Steve Archibald. Boys that, you know, you used to, after your boys' club came, get into Petorti and want to get in at half-time for nothing and watch all these boys watching the TV. You know, boys you supported, next minute you're training with them because when we trained the car part, a lot of the times, you know, there was a first team session and maybe a reserves, but a lot of the time you're mixed in training in terms of the small sided games and everything, so it was quite daunting to start with and intimidating, I think, and it, you know, it did feel like a million miles away to actually play for the first team. And you speak about character and everything, I think. Looking back, you do need to have a bit, a bit of character in a dressing room, but to be honest, I, you know, I, I, I love the band, and I didn't mind laughing at myself as well. So if you can do that and not take things that, you know, some of the guys might say to you too seriously, then, then I think uh, you, you just get on with it mm-hmm. and uh, just enjoy the, the opportunity to be, you know, be playing and 
and actually signed for your for your local team and you supported. It was around about December nineteen eighty when you really broke into the team and sort of claimed your place. Um, you're just I think just nineteen years old there as well. You're breaking into a team that is the defending league champions as well. That must have that must have been really special. Oh, it was, but I actually didn't answer many questions. I just uh, remember there in terms of the, my my dad used so <laughs> what happened there was I was playing for the reserves. Teddy Scott, as he does, organises uh, friendlies, and we're, we're down playing Stirling University one midweek. And uh, Fergie came down and watched the game, and then scored the perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot, header. And then the following week, I got, got a shout, he says, I really enjoy your performance, and you're going to be in the squad uh, for, the, for the Hamilton game. Uh, I was like the following, following week, I was from nowhere. I was on the bench for the first team, uh, still 16. And, uh, you know, you speak about setting up a goal for Joe Harper. And, I mean, I genuinely used to dream <laughs> yeah, about scoring for Aberdeen and setting up goals for Joe Harper. So, you know, the disassociated dreams uh, do come true. <laughs> and another story from that, yeah, obviously, I'm going from a pre-match meal for the first time. Of course, the girls come in, what, what do you want? And so, everybody said, oh, steak, solid steak, solid steak. I'll have a solid steak as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm monitoring a big fall at state uh, before the game, and, and all the uh, sports science will tell you you should never be in that now. It, it's, uh, but, you know, fantastic experience to get an opportunity to make my debut at 16 years of age was just unbelievable. And I've got, <laughs> I actually got the bus, the, the bus home to Newmarket after that as well. <laughs> so I'm in the, the bus for heaps of supporters. I don't some recognise me, but others had no clue who, who I was. <laughs> uh, but you'd mentioned about uh, breaking into the team. So I suppose after after my debut at 16, and probably just the Christ- that Christmas, that was October, and the Christ- Christmas, I think we played Hearts, that we did, we played Hearts down away. And then it was 14 players that used to go down the away game, so... Fergie and it was actually Pat Stanton at the time pulled us aside and said look uh, you're going to be spearman today but you're definitely going to be starting next week against Morton so I was like I was absolutely thrilled uh, to be thinking about that so the next week well that was a Saturday and then I think Christmas Day was maybe the Monday or Tuesday so I woke up at the Boxing Day and I had a huge big lump I massive on the side of my neck Really, really felt unwell. Well, and I actually had the mumps. So it took me weeks to go over this. I'm saying this the morning game, and then I got the German measles. <laughs> uh, probably, I think it was six weeks after that. So, I, to be honest, that season was a write-off, and I really struggled. I thought it did give me the opportunity to get in Scotland number 17 squad in Italy when Jock Steen uh, travelled over the party. So, you know, I, I did manage. It wasn't a write-off altogether. And then we got asked to play for Scotland under 80 teams in the European Championships as well, which were, which was brilliant. We beat Poland 2-0, lost 1-0 Bulgaria, and then we, got, we beat Denmark 1-0. But unfortunately, it was the top team that qualified, so we didn't get into the next round. But it was, again, a great experience. So probably a year and a half after that, two years, it, sort of my career didn't really take off until I managed to into the, the team more on a regular basis and to be honest to start with that was more 
because Bond's tracking and John Master have got injured. He gave myself and likes it, Ian Angus, an extended run on the team. Come a little bit on to your international career just a little later. I do have a few questions on mm-hmm. that as well. You win your first major honour, um, the 1982 Scottish Cup final, which was the first of three Scottish Cups in a row that Aberdeen won. An amazing run. First thing I have to ask as well is that that first, that first Aberdeen goal, um, you can be honest now here, um, he claims it was deliberate. Did you know that Big Alec had that in his locker? Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, it has been that, I mean, he has said it, and I've sort, sort of for my, my own eyes, because I think it was on the Tuesday before the cup final, uh, Fergie took us up to Cruden Bay, and we trained in the local pitch there, and Big Alec actually did exactly the same, he bent it right in the top corner, past Jim Leighton, and then we played nine holes of golf in, in the afternoon, so, of course, you didn't know any more about about that, you didn't even remember it until obviously he scored that fantastic goal right in the top corner and it was just what we needed really because I think we were beating uh, Rangers 4-0 the previous week in the league and I mean we were his favourites, I thought Rangers at hand is always going to be a challenge but you know we didn't play that well in the first half and to be honest that goal just really gave us a lift we should have won the game really in, in full time, the amount of chances we had. But, you know, as Fergie said, that you know, when we won the extra time and Archie, that we would have outrun our opponents because nobody would be sitting sit on us. And, you know, that was always the case when we got to extra time because we, we seemed to make a habit getting into extra time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we really did, but absolutely battered Rangers that day. Uh, somehow, somehow it went to extra time. But yeah, then, as soon as it goes to extra time, like you mentioned there, I think that's, you know, it's been well noted that you know, there was probably one of the, the, the fittest team in the league were Aberdeen, and we really did blew them away um, in, 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 in t- extra time. Sorry, I have to ask you about that fourth, that fourth Aberdeen goal by Neil Cooper, which is obviously gone down in folklore now as well. Um, it's exactly what any, any of us would do, I think. Well, as the commentator says, it's every schoolboy's dream, and it was just magic, especially celebration when he went to the opposition <laughs> and uh, celebrated, which, uh, I mean, it was just amazing. I've got the video of that one, so I'll need to get them changed into the DVD, but I actually watched uh, the game last week, you know, while I subbed at home and everything, because yeah. it's on uh, Red TV. Yeah. So it's the first time I've watched that game for about... Up the years or something, you know, as you say, we absolutely dominated the, the second once we'd scored in the second half, and the chances we missed it really could have been far more, even in 4 1 in, in extra time. But fantastic, I Neil, Neil enjoyed that, and so did we. <laughs> And of course, winning it, winning it means obviously we qualify for the European Cup Winners' Cup in 82-83. You'd played some European matches before. It wasn't going to be a new experience for you, though. My first game, when did I get? I think I come on against Ipswich. I the home and away legs. I come on, come on a sub against Ipswich. Then we played uh, was it Aldridge Potesi? Mm-hmm. I think it was in the, in the next round again. And then we'd Hamburg. So the pr- the previous year I'd actually played quite. An, quite a lot of minutes in, in these games and we're very unlucky to get beat by Hamburg over the two legs a year before mm-hmm. but, but what I always say you know, in terms of uh, Europe and everything there was a photograph actually It's uh, you've maybe seen it where there's like about 20 players that, that played for another game with their Scotland strips on yes the benefit of this was there were so many players that played Scotland youth teams, Scotland under-21s, B internationals, full internationals. So they were getting opportunities to play against the 
today. So in, in the youth team, I played against what? The Wolf and Mateos, played against Rude Hoover, very easy. The squad final, the European Championships, very easy. It wasn't new, these European experiences, but for Aberdeen, obviously, we never got past the quarterfinals ever before, but uh, the opportunity when we made I when we won the, the Scottish Cup, we, we just in no way did you think what the season would pan out. We'd want to do our best, but you'd never think it, we would have got to the, to the final. Yeah. You mentioned playing against Lothar Mateus there. Um, I heard a story you tell that you marked him out the game that day. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, it was... <laughs> well, we played gem. There was 40,000 uh, people, the schools in the district that we played, they had got the, the day off school to come and watch the game, so there was 40,000. <laughs> And we actually beat Germany 2-0 uh, that day with a very good youth team. You go into that European run, the incredible European run of 82-83. You start off against um, Sion in the preliminary round, obviously it ends up, mm-hmm. ends up in Gothenburg. Some of those early rounds, um, what are your main memories? I mean, you're travelling to so Switzerland. Was, no, Switzerland, was a bit was, Switzerland was beautiful. I mean, Sion is in the middle of the, of the mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're actually driving across in like huge mountains on either mm-hmm. side and it was I mean it's early in the season mm-hmm. so it, you know it was actually it was really beautiful the, all the landmarks and everything you saw and all the trees and you know it was Sion was a, was a was a beautiful place and I mean the performance there although we won 4-1 I remember Archie cracking up wasn't happy with the way the midfield played that day so despite 1-4-1 he still wasn't wasn't happy with the uh, performance and I think that was one of the I was one of them <laughs> <laughs> Of course, it was the next round, sorry, it was Dinamo Tirana. Oh, um, a bit of a culture shock, I suppose you would say. It was a charter flight, and we, we got off the flight, and obviously, you know, boys were just buying the normal newspapers, uh, ones that's got pictures on page three, what's this say, and I won't mention the newspaper. They were going through past the, yeah, the, the police, and when you, you came out, next minute, stopped you. And they took all the newspapers off, <laughs> off all the players. We drove, I must have been about a 30, 40 minute drive from the airport. It, it really was back, it looked like to the 19th century. You know, people going about in oxen and carts and going about in horses and very little traffic in the roads. Uh, and then we got into Tirana. It really was going back in time, to be honest, in terms of the hotel even the stadium. And I remember the game, it was, I mean, it was roasting hot. We come away there from an L-nil draw, a really good performance. And, you know, it wasn't an easy game at, uh, at all. So to come out of there with, with a draw and getting the next round was, was great. But, you know, it was, a, it was a difficult tie. And obviously your memories of, of that place is, you know, quite striking because of the, the way you saw their culture and that then. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier on, you'd played a lot of, sort of under-17, under-21s um, for Scotland. So you'd, you've travelled around and played quite a lot of football. Poznan in the next round as well. Travelling to these places, it's not, go- it's not going to phase you. You're kind of comfortable playing against, for lack of a better term, foreign players. Well, especially when you're going to, to like, so Eastern Europe. Uh, you know that the, you know, the food isn't maybe as good as, as you would get back home. But, I mean... The people in the hotels and everything and the, you know, the actual staff and that couldn't have done enough for you. Really nice, nice people, even 
nice, nice people. And my memory from Poznan is that the roads were really poor, <laughs> and everybody seemed to have the same car. <laughs> I just think there was anywhere that everybody just seemed to have. I don't even know the name of it, but it was like a box, <laughs> and everybody sort of drove drove about in these these cars. <laughs> but it was a decent, I mean, a decent crowd. I liked Poznan game, but again, it was a really professional performance. Dougie Bell popped up uh, with a goal, which which was great. And obviously, once we scored that, then it would have been very difficult for them to come back. But we mentioned professional performances there. Of course, in the next round, they play in the, the almighty Bayern Munich. Um, mm-hmm. You go over there. What a lot of people have said, one of the, the best ever Aberdeen performances, a 0-0 over there. Absolutely, you know, you shut them down that day. Um, what are your memories from playing over there? I remember, well, just before that, I mean, there was the quarter-final draw. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if you, you remember, but when you look to the draw, we could have had Inter Milan, Barcelona, Austria, Vienna, yeah. Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Walsh, one of these seven teams. So, <laughs> you know, pick Bayern Munich. I mean, I was a huge, it was probably one of the better teams in that group. I thought the other ones were pretty tasty as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, but my memory from that is that I thought it was just fantastic performance. Marcel, Neil Cooper and Dougie Bell, because I know we got him was injured. For that game, he came on late as a, as a sub. And I thought, you know, Neil, he was on, on Brightner, uh, stopping and getting a ball. And me and Dougie were, you know, any runs coming late from midfield, we'd sort of cover them, but also try to get into the box as well. Peter Weir, I thought, was, was outstanding, but especially the back, the back four were, were excellent and, and Jim Leighton as well. Really a f- fantastic and strong performance and, you know, we could have scored a couple of goals. I know Mark McGee had a, a half chance, mm-hmm. was turned around the bar, eh, the post, and Peter Weir, I'm sure it was, he had the post as, as well, or else it was, it was a save. It's uh, almost made you grow up in, in Europe that you could actually compete with some of the best players. In, in the European stage, you know, boys it played in the, the World Cup previously for, for Germany. And they gave up the real lift and, and a boost. I thought, you know, Alex Ferguson did say that, look, I, and I remember this, but the last game, where this tie is over, it would have been far better if we'd gotten a wee goal. But anyway, we didn't have been 0 0, was still a, still a great result. You come back to obviously the second leg at Pataudry. How do you approach a game like that? I mean, this is this is arguably in your career so far. That is arguably probably your biggest test. The way Fergie and Archie had you set up, you couldn't have nerves anyway because mm-hmm. if you if you didn't show that nervousness or you know, didn't play that level, you knew you weren't going to be in the team, so you always going to play well. But Archie and, and Fergie were also were very thorough in terms of their preparation for these sort of matches and actually my time you know I've done the last four weeks I've actually come across the the information that Archie had provided for all the players so you had their, their team a little bit but each player the speed that they played and some of their set pieces and it was all typed out and there was obviously no photocopiers there so the typist must have had to type out like 16 or 17 of them uh, to give, give it to every player but it was really you know we, we knew our jobs and we knew what we had to do and uh, obviously 
what do you think plans were out the window? <laughs> now can you tell us? Yeah, yeah, I can tell. I can tell after ten minutes scores an absolute uh, an absolute top corner beezer. I can like you say puts a game plan out the window. Um, but you, not for the first time, um, score a very important goal for Aberdeen. I'll ask this now because I know I'll, I'll be asking it at some point in the podcast. No, you did score lots of important goals at like really important times for Aberdeen. I mean, okay, this one was only from what, maybe a yard out, um, just before half time. You just seem to crop up at these positions and get these opportunities to you know, score these important goals. No, I mean, I, I definitely love the big games. And I did, you just had that real buzz about playing against the best players. You know, you just, I don't know, you get an extra yard. So, yeah, I mean, when you, you look back, it's sort of, you know, the DVDs and everything, that there is mm-hmm. a, a start trend with some of the uh, the bigger games. I've got only the corner stop, I didn't, I didn't actually score, but I should have. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, the, the cross come in from Mark McGee and the Eric, as he does, rose unbelievably to Manchester and knock it back. All we can tell her. I've been a bit banal like a willy who just put the ball into the row's head. But he took a touch and that just allowed me to actually just get right in about and you know, get to the ball just walk in and Bringer, bringer into the net. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think if he'd gotten in the way, he was going to go in the back of the net as well with that ball, wasn't he? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I'd actually quite a quiet game uh, in the Bayern Munich one, but that's the Second half comes, they get a second goal. You're two one down, and then you find yourself subbed off for John Hewitt. What are you thinking at that point? <laughs> oh, no, I was like, well, sure, again, then he was raging when he got subbed off, <laughs> and he, he was still shaking his head. You know, to this day, he's still shaking his head. I can't believe I got taken off. Uh, but I mean, obviously, I mean, I just sprinted off because I knew, you know, there's a change when you win the much time. It's a point at the time, but. As Fergie did on many, many occasions, it was the right uh, decision. And uh, substitutions over the years have just, uh, he's got a sixth sense in terms of, you know, changes that will work or, or uh, you know, lead, lead to victories or, or get you back into the game. So it's probably one of the best substitutions he, he made apart for the one in the cup final as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even not being on the pitch for that amazing you know, ninety seconds, whatever it was. Obviously, you're on the, you're on the bench, having just been subbed off. What's your what's your reaction when that happens? Is it like the rest of us, just absolute bedlam? I mean, the whole stadium just erupted. It was just it was just magic. I, I do remember just everybody was so tense in that final before the final whistle went, and then it was what a relief. And then you just wow, with being by Munich, it was just uh, it just an amazing. It's a tremendous performance, you know, and I rightly referred to even even though thirty thirty odd years later, whatever it is, um, as Pataudry's greatest night. Of course, we went to Mr. G's, <laughs> one of the famous nightclubs, <laughs> uh, after the game to celebrate. I mean, we didn't know it. And before the people who used to call if any of the players were in any of the pubs. <laughs> so he got a call saying that all your players were in Mr. G's. That was the Wednesday. I think Thursday was just like a, a loose not mm-hmm. much, not organised really. And then the Friday he called a meeting 
and he absolutely blasted it. So, <laughs> who do you think we are celebrating winning just a quarterfinal? <laughs> so we're just like, you just couldn't believe it. Beating one of the best teams in Europe and going to the semi-finals for the first time, we got so boosted. Uh, but anyway, what a fight in the semi-finals. You mentioned obviously Sir Alex there. That kind of winning mentality that he kind of tried to instill in you, you've, see, you've seen so many, so many of that squad have gone into football management, uh, whether it's coaching, like coaching, like, you know, you, like you've done as well. That's obviously been instilled very strongly because you know, there's a, quite a lot of that team, you know, Gordon, uh, Mark McGee, Willie Miller, Alex, you know, it goes on. Fergie was unbelievable in terms of winning mentality because he just wouldn't accept defeat. And the thing is, it wasn't like as though Alex would be the, the arm around the shoulder next. After, after him, he would be exactly the same. <laughs> I thought Alex was slightly milder, slightly. The will to win, the desire, the passion, you know, it came out in abundance every day in training. The thing is, he, you get to match that and, and be a, be a winner. Because you knew if you weren't, then unfortunately somebody would take the place and mm-hmm. obviously you know, if, if you want to be part of that great history <laughs> you want to keep keep doing well make sure that you at least you played to a decent standard yeah. or, you, or you worked extremely hard at every game which all the players that played normally did Move on, you play Watershy in the semi-final blown them away really in the first half I think we were 2-0 up after 4 or 5 minutes mm-hmm. they did come a little bit back into the game but they didn't yeah. They didn't really you know, th- I think the game was pretty much sewn up um, after that first first half really No, I mean, the start we had I mean, I'm not sure if you, if you know but the pitch was really fiery the, the start the before mm-hmm. so Fergie at the fire brigade in and we all did so the ball was zipping off the surface, it was brilliant, it was really good. So again, high intensity, get in their faces, don't give them a minute on the ball. And really in the first five minutes, we just did everything that he said. And Dougie Bell obviously did magnificent mm-hmm. to set up Eric. And then, you know, a wee bit of ball from Dougie and then, and then I went into a weird and then the guy passed it across the box, really, which you would tell all young players never to do. <laughs> and I managed to, you know, send intercept and weave myself through a couple of two or three challenges and drill it under the keeper. Yeah, so we're two not after four minutes, you say, and then a good team talk at half time and we keep the same things going. And then we scored actually two quick goals in, in the second half as well. So we're 4 0 up and uh, really. Pretty, pretty comfortable although they did obviously score yeah. we won 5-1 final score and I remember the next day uh, there was this old guy called Orlando who used to watch all the training and this crap crap on he used to be at Seaton Park he was at the barracks he was there he was at the beach he was there he was at Morgani he was there always watching the training you know he's just, just a pencil yeah. so we came out of the dormitory and he was shaking his head. And somebody said, oh, Orlando, what's up with you? Oh, that away goal you left last night could have been crucial. Could be crucial. <laughs> so okay, nobody could believe uh, he said that. But, uh, and again, a, a really good performance in their way. Like, I thought we lost a good professional uh, performance to, 
to get into the final. Mm-hmm. The belief that you have in yourselves and the quality that ha- the Aberdeen team had anyway, obviously it's disappointing losing a game. Aberdeen were never never in really any danger of you know, of going out anyway. No, I mean, but again, we, we prepared them just as so one is thinking we'll get a lose, but no. we had to be professional yeah. and again just work hard and be a good unit and then obviously you know, get the ball to Peter and, and Gordon as well yeah. in the wide areas and, and, and create things. And we did have a few chances, but, you know, no, we just didn't manage to score on the night. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if there was any footage of that game at all. Uh, to see stuff I've never seen that game, mm-hmm. actually, ever. Professional pride obviously comes in, you know, you're, even though you're 5-1 up. Yeah, well, we were disappointed. But the, you know, at the end of the game, we were delighted, but there was a few... You know, we were disappointed that we actually lost the game mm-hmm. and, and, and I was with much defeat in the whole tournament. I suppose it's a good thing to be disappointed when you've gotten to a European Cup or Scott final. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a bad loser? Uh, I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might not show it, uh, but I, I hate losing, even when we're having wee family games. And that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to win all them, them as well. So, I mean... The thing is, Fergie would, if he won that bad, if you tell me a good loser, I think it's the thing I would say. No, we, we had to win every game we could. And, uh, and we were lost. Well, we didn't lose many, but it was a huge disappointment. Difficult to, to get over, actually, when you did lose. There's no greater showing of Fer- Alex Ferguson's bad, being a bad loser than the quiz was it in preparation for it. <laughs> yeah, I also... Teddy Scott was he, he wasn't he was a bad loser as well because you maybe need to correct me but is it Hamil, Hamilton Academicals yeah. or Hamilton Academical <laughs> whatever it was Teddy had the wrong thing <laughs> right and Vicky had said no you can't get that because it's one or the other and Teddy wasn't happy so <laughs> even the staff were having a having a moan at each other about the, the thing That, that was in preparation for the final um, in Gothenburg against Real Madrid. Um, as yourself, I think you're 21, um, and Neil Cooper in midfield there. Now, despite both your age, you obviously both played a lot of European and domestic football as well, of course. You and, you and Neil must have had a huge belief and trust in one another's ability. We looked after each other. Even if somebody wasn't having a great game, we'd be given encouragement. Uh, we would, you know, if somebody made a mistake, the other one would then mop up and make sure that mistake wasn't wasn't get a call anything. We knew we had a really good relationship in terms of on and off the pitch. And the way we played, we just we were determined to to win our battles, uh, to make a contribution to the team, and and then give it to Gordon Strachan and be aware. But I really don't remember having any nerves before the match. I must have, but I don't remember. And I just remember driving the 30 minutes to the stadium for our hotel, of course, Hotel Farzat. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, every used to have a, a good little laugh about. And seeing the rain and think this conditions could suit me and Neil and I, that's all. When see the rain, the heavy conditions. And somebody, I don't know if it's a true start, but somebody says that myself and Neil were the youngest pair in the midfield to win a, a European senior tournament. So it'd be interesting for somebody to actually confirm or, or deny that yes. instead of the two youngest players to play. You 
obviously say about the nerves not coming into it, nerve, you know, not being nervous. I mean, when you've got someone, I suppose, like Doug Rugby, who is just, you know, very vocal, trying to intimidate, obviously, the opposition in, in the tunnel as well, does that, does some, having someone like that help, you know, just kind of cool, cool the atmosphere, despite outwardly, obviously, he's given it a really big overblown kind of intimidation? Does that help cool, does that cool you guys yeah, down? I think you've got great leaders in that team, like Alec and Wally, were unbelievable. And Stuart Kennedy, unfortunately, he missed yeah. uh, the game, but unbelievable leadership qualities to, you know, talk you through the game, give you a kick of laugh when you need it as well. And I suppose Big Doogie just comes at that character as well, really, because he was, you know, a character on and off the pitch. And obviously he wouldn't would take, uh, you know, for an answer as well when he's coming up with these players. And obviously he, he obviously remembers Big Doogie doing his warm-up in the jungle at, at Celtic as mm-hmm. well. Doing his uh, his leg bends and everything. I mean, right in front of him, he, he wasn't scared of scared of anyone at all. The game comes on. It's like no, it's a oh, terrible, well, terrible conditions for the Spanish lads. Um, it's probably just standard standard Scottish weather for for the Dons players. Um, as an incident in the game, I, I do I do want to ask you about before we talk about the obvious things. Um, obviously, Paco Bonet. Uh, catches you, caught you with a with an elbow in the game that well, it, personally it, it doesn't look like it was accidental. That's obviously frustration from the Spanish side. Um, do you think there was perhaps an arrogance about them that they felt Aberdeen were just there to kind of make up the numbers? I would say absolutely, definitely. <laughs> and the Jackson, who actually was with the uh, with the party, he actually said to Fergie. Look, this is what I want you to do. Get get a really good bottle of whiskey, and uh, when you see the Stefano, uh, because that's the we finish our training session on the pitch, uh, and then they come on after us, go up to them, give them the whiskey, and, and look as though you know we're just tourists and just delighted to be there. You know, and as their players had seen that, and obviously what we always used to do when the opposition team was there, we used to stand on our toes a little bit, get our chests out. You know, and, and uh, make ourselves big when we went past the opposition and obviously not look at them as so we're not really caring, caring about them as well. So I remember doing that uh, when we went past the Real Madrid team as they were coming on the pitch as, as we were we were going off. And so, you know, I think there might have been a little bit of that. As far as Boney, um, he actually did break the <laughs> band a bit. I think my adrenaline was flying about so much, I actually didn't even, I didn't even feel it uh, once they'd actually done it, because he'd not the cartilage in the middle of my nose right to the side, so I mean, I actually did get an operation in my nose, like the, the following year, so I could breathe a little bit better, uh, I just didn't feel it, but he absolutely, definitely, did that he was, he was looking to, to mix it a little bit, so we had to ensure that we, we matched that at times as well. <laughs> Through my contacts, I got shown around the Real Madrid's training ground. The guy who was shown said, oh, give me a set, I just need to tell a seed or something. And I, I was in my seed throw, I'd ring Isabel. I said, that's not a seed throw, I played for Real Madrid. And so he went into the office and he, this guy came out and it was a seed throw, played against Aberdeen for Real Madrid. <laughs> so we had a really good chat. And he remembers Big Doug Rugby, who he was up against. <laughs> so... I thanked them for showing us around and sent an email. And the guy says, oh, he's so chuffed that he met you, Isidro. He's never stopped speaking about it. So my wife took a photo. I sent, I sent the photograph of me and him. 
turn. Two days later, the boy came back, the head of the youth department, saying that uh, you'll never believe, but he's got your, got your photo up up in the up in the wall now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was cool. And Arnold Muren actually came up to Pedodri, and we had a right good chat uh, about the game. Yeah, it was last year, was it? He was up with an IATS coach. And uh, I just happened to mention, oh, I played it, oh, I hit switch. And, you know, we sat down for about an hour and had a, a brilliant chat yeah, about things. Aberdeen were excellent in that, in, in, that, in that 90 minutes as well. We had a lot of, lot of chances, even in extra time as well. We really did. It's like it was a really great performance by, by, the, by the whole team. Um, and then, of course, no, I think it was 87 minutes, Eric Black subbed off for John Hewitt. John obviously has an, has got an important... Um, goal scoring streak for Aberdeen as well. He scored it like yourself. He scored a lot of important goals at a lot of important times. <laughs> Again, if you watch the footage, actually, he he lost the ball the first yeah. couple of times. He he got the ball, and I remember uh, Fergie saying, "Simmy, Simmy, get that you higher up the t- <laughs> higher up the pitch." But John had that that knack. I mean, a fantastic striker. He great technique. You know, he his runs into the box. His movement. You know, was was just outstanding uh, for for a, a young player, and uh, you know, as you say, the habit of scoring very very important goals, and did it regularly uh, for Aberdeen, and it was just it was just uh, magic when he yeah. only actually scored. But obviously, Eric Youngster as well scoring as well in the first half. <laughs> once you once you've won that game, when does it set in that you know you, no it's it's Real Madrid you've beaten you know, you're a, you're, you've won a European trophy a major European trophy when does it settle into what you've actually achieved? It's great celebrations after the game mm-hmm. and, you know, with the supporters with the cup and everything and then we went back to the hotel. For me, the time it really dawned on me when was when he actually got on the open top bus mm-hmm. uh, at the airport. Well, the amount of people that was at the airport was just unbelievable, but he got on the, the bus. And it was actually, I mean, it wasn't involved because it's a fair distance from, from the airport to, to Pitodri, but there was people virtually dotted all the way along until you come to uh, Queen's Road, and it was really getting busy there. And then when it hit home, it was when, when we turned the corner to go on the Union Street, and the amount of people there, I just could not believe it. And actually, a wee tear, and a wee tear there, and I just could not believe it. And that, where it's something that you'd actually achieve something unbelievable. You know, from, you know, being a supporter of the team, following your heroes, getting an opportunity to join your team, train with the players that you'd, you'd, you'd watched, and then to actually, you know, win this huge trophy, it was just, Really emotional and just a fantastic thing to behold to see all that people. Ten days later, Aberdeen win the Scottish Cup again against yeah. Rangers, but a f- and a few days after that, you make your Scotland international debut. This was a re- this was a real this was a real whirlwind time for your career, wasn't it? To be honest, it was brilliant getting a call up. So it's something you always always wanted, and it was brilliant being a debut against uh, Northern Ireland. I mean, I must be honest, I was absolutely shattered. We played so many games eh, that year. We played the, the European Cup Winners' Cup. I actually was holding a miss the next game eh, against Hibs. So I wasn't feeling that like a sickness bug. We played the Scottish Cup final the week after. 
when I called up Scotland and I was part of the squad, I was absolutely knackered. Uh, but just brilliant to be involved. Um, and it was obviously an, an opportunity to get to know a lot of the Scotland players, you know, boys with Anglos, and, and uh, you know, it was a really good, t- good time, and it was an amazing, like, four or five weeks uh, that fit all that in as well. You only five caps for Scotland. You had pl- loads of squads. Scotland did have a, a huge wealth of talent in the midfield positions that time. Uh, you still must be, is it still disappointing for you? Maybe you didn't pick up a few more caps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it was, as I said, fantastic experience is going to all these, these places. I, I mean, a great squad. Really, really Kenny Douglas, Junis, and obviously all our boys, Willard Muller, Art McLeish, Gordon Strachan, you know, regularly going away with, with squads. Probably I'm a, I would be a wee bit disappointed that I didn't get more, more cups. You know, there was a few wee niggly injuries that I remember before we played at England. Maybe one year I, I just, uh, Nick my, my thigh muscle so I had to pull out the squad today in training so and I know Mondo McLeod who called in and he played against England and he played against Iceland the, the game after that, that was disappointing but when you look back I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to represent my country great experiences playing against France and up against Michel Platini their warm up game before they won the European Championships mm-hmm. in France went to fantastic places to play with for dribbling players so disappointing but no, no regrets really yeah. because you know you, you get opportunities and a five more than, than some people yeah you, I mean you played you played against England at Wembley 1988 and the Rouse Cup that's when it was a, you know, that games were really were real fearsome fearsome kind of ties and that must have been a, something special as well yeah I mean I'd had a few weird injury niggles in that two seasons Seven, eight, eight. I always managed to get myself picked for Scotland <laughs> at the end of the season. And I played for Scotland against England at Hamden. We drew now. I obviously won that game. I mean, I was really enjoyable. And then obviously to play against England at Wembley was brilliant. I really, really good memories of that. And actually played against John Barnes uh, that year. Up against Brian Robson the year before. And I managed to swap shots with Gary Lineker uh, in that game and I actually managed to swap shots with Michel Platini and <laughs> uh, the game when we played France as well much to Big Alec and Willens disgust but if you're quicker than them then what, <laughs> what can I do? I suppose I should ask there so who's the, who's the best player you say you've played against? It probably is Platini on top of his game the M84 just before they won the European Championships he was pretty outstanding well, so we mentioned we mentioned that the Gothenburg there later on that season. Um, Aberdeen are then playing in the Super Cup final against European champions Hamburg. So perhaps a chance to avenge the defeat that you mentioned earlier on. Yet again, you score another important goal. We beat the European champions. You and yourself, you get the opener. Mark McGee gets the second one just after half time yeah. as well. A team which can't be understated. I mean, I know. I know Neil pretends you know, pretends he was from India, but really, no. It's a team of it's a team of it was a team of all team of Scotsmen. A, a, a huge momentous achievement that to be to you know to be basically the best team in Europe. I mean, that, well, what in the Super Cup confirmed really we were yeah. the best team in Europe, which was a fantastic achievement. And you you look at back now, and even when you see the teams like in that quarterfinals I mentioned before, yeah. 
if you if you tell them kids now, they just they wouldn't understand, <laughs> and they wouldn't believe you almost. That the dad would have won that, but I mean, we would a would a great team. I think that's the manager, a brilliant coach, Teddy Scott in the background. I mean, they had some really good players. Felix Magath, Manny Cults, and if I beat a weird gift, Cults had torrent time in that game. Yeah, and it was satisfying to uh, to manage to score, and you know, in a cup final. Even though it was two legs, it was, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Of course, you were obviously part of the, the back-to-back league winners as well, 83-84 and 84-85. European football is a very important thing for Aberdeen. That gets you a crack at the European Cup. The manager was a big thing for him as well. It must have been something for the players really to aim for as well, to, to get a crack at the big cup. Terrible performance against Edinburgh and Berlin when we all lost the penalties. But I really felt that if we'd won the league in 83 I think we would have had a fantastic chance at doing well in the in the European Cup the following year, unfortunately. Dundee United picked us. And I think, again, it was just the amount of games we were playing and the recovery. It was just didn't manage and some silly result. I remember we got beat by someone 1-0 at the Tordry, which was a really poor performance. In fact, I think that was before we played Watershaw. Um, maybe we were holding something back, but we shouldn't have. <laughs> shouldn't have. Uh, but, no, I mean, Fergie, it was always Fergie's aim to win the European Cup. You really wanted that for, for Aberdeen. Um, but it was a shocking performance eh, against Dean Berlin over there. We just didn't get going. And obviously we lost, we lost in penalties. And then when we played Servette, I think it was the following year, got us to play Gothenburg. I'm not sure we played in the first round. So maybe in Kranis, was it? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. The following year, obviously we then lost... Matt McGee going striking, big doogie. Even though some up your team had gone, I thought we did obviously manage to get some really good players players in then as well. We lost to Gothenburg the following year in the quarterfinals. And again with silly goals at Petardry. It was two two at Petardry and then nil nil over there. It was it was uh, Sir Alex Ian, but unfortunately we just we just couldn't deliver uh, that prize. Obviously, alongside the obvious personal frustration of missing games through injury, um, the club's kind of fortunes take a turn as well, where the manager, Alex, leaves for Manchester United. What was your feeling at the time of the news? You know, obviously, you're, 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 you're having some injury problems yourself, yeah. um, and then the news, the manager's leaving after what was such a successful spell. I just back to the injury problems, then that, I mean, I've, I've always tried to pinpoint the reason, you know, for, for so many injuries that I got, and a lot of theories, you know, you played too much football. I mean, I remember, I remember playing for the Scotland youth team in, in Italy. I think we played three group games, a semi-final and a final. That would have been over a short period. And then I flew home with Andy Dorn and with Andy Roxburgh to play for Scotland under-18s against Germany at Petardry. That was on a Tuesday. The Reserve League Cup eh, quarter-final against Morton on the Wednesday. So I was down at Morton on the Wednesday. And then, and then the Saturday would long again in the reserves in the league. So I'd actually played five, six, seven, eight games in like two weeks or something. I mean, they just slipped through. You know, the games was, un- they just come ticking fast. But I, I, I really don't think it was down to too many games. Who, who would be complaining about too many football? Some say the intensity to play the game or the type of player I was. But Davy Wiley, who was obviously the, the physio, mm-hmm. his theory is, I was actually involved in a, a nasty car eh, accident just before Christmas 86, so I actually had on crash. It just seems to be 
since then, I've had a lot of problems with my back, so yeah. I had to get it. And I actually missed it. I remember missing the Gothenburg uh, second leg over there because I had like a, a real pain in my, down my hamstring, which nowadays you'd be calling sciatica, which obviously yeah. is stuff that comes for your back. So who knows? Totally frustrating anyway. Because <laughs> the worst thing you as a player is that you're in the sidelines. So, you know, it was very, very frustrating. And then obviously, as you say, probably frustrating when they. Uh, when Sir Alec announced that he was leaving to join Man United. For us, the worst bit was when Archie then announced mm-hmm. he was leaving as well. You know, for all the young players in their careers, the Archie thank really. His training was brilliant. The back, we were back most afternoons. Uh, you know, through all his gruff and his hard style, everybody really loved Archie. It was just brilliant. Uh, really, really good. So it was like a double whammy for everybody. You lose Fergie, you lose Archie. You know, where do you go? Where do you go from there? Really, it was it was a sad, it was a sad and disappointing time for everybody. During an injury spell, like, spell that like you had, where it was really intermittent and you missed you missed spells of games. Do you just have to try and knuckle down and wait for the recovery to come? I mean, does the frustration of sitting on the sidelines as the trophies aren't coming affect you? Because you were you must have been so used to just winning trophies, and then mm-hmm. when that stops happening and you find yourself not able to affect it, is that something that you th- that was maybe playing on your mind as well? A little bit. I mean, but the thing is, when you're when you're injured for a while, you're always. I'm feeling okay, I'm feeling okay, and you get rushed. I must admit, I did get rushed back probably a few times when I wasn't 100% ready as well, because you've been out for so long. And you want to get back, and obviously the pressure, the, you're the managers, I went out, come on, you need to be okay, and, and you get back. I also went out to Lillishaw as well for rehab, which was the rehabilitation centre for all the players in rugby union, rugby league as well, then in England. Part of my group was Jim Beglin and Kevin Sheedy. It was wherever they were going through a few injury issues and that as well. But it was good being there because everybody was in the same boat. You were working hard. You know, you're away to the same environment of seeing your team playing every week and you're, you know, there. So I was down there for about two to three weeks, I think, at that time. Actually, that rehab got me to play in the 87 League Cup final. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I managed to do that. Unfortunately, we lost that and the 88 Cup final as well, both the Rangers, which was disappointing to say the least <laughs> yeah you made your final Aberdeen appearance um, in a 3-1 win at Celtic Park just in, in May 1990 um, aside, aside with maybe slightly ironic aside with lots of several young players in it just ahead of the, the Scottish Cup final did you know that was going to be going to be the end for you for your playing career at Aberdeen um, did you think was, was there possibly any chance of you making the Cup final that's an interesting question uh, because I'd actually been a transfer request uh, the, the year before uh, because it just threw my frustrations you know just being injured so I finished uh, might, be, might be good and obviously there was offers from like the Ipswich mm-hmm. I almost signed for Panic and I was actually I was about to go be flying out say it was the Wednesday and then the Tuesday evening uh, I got a call to say the whole thing was off <laughs> so I was going to sign for them because they were allowed three overage players and one of the guys uh, a Swedish player was going to be going to the Swiss team and I got knocked back at the last minute so that was out and I know at Dundee United also kind of did for me the previous season but it was not that playing when we played Celtic at Parkhead I mean it was a brilliant 
brilliant performance. I'm not sure if you remember, Willie Miller also played that night as well. Mm-hmm. He'd been out for ages with his knee. Both played so well that night at the newspapers at the time were saying, eh, what a dilemma Alex Smith will have. Who's, who's he get pick in the final? I mean, that gave me a sniff. I thought, oh, I could get into this cup final team. So every training session before the cup final, honestly, I've never worked so hard in all my life. <laughs> Uh, to get into that cup final team <laughs> but deep down in my heart I thought I knew the best I could probably get was a place in the bench uh, just at lunch then you get the, the knock in the bedroom door from Alex Smith and uh, he told me unfortunately I wasn't going to be selected so that game at uh, Parkhead when we beat Celtic 3-1 was my last game for Aberdeen and it was a good finish uh, to my Aberdeen career really disappointing I didn't get into the cup final but Obviously historic because we won in penalties, first team who won in penalties in, mm. in a cup final. But, uh, you know, great memories of of playing for the club and, and, uh, and as I said, no regrets. You obviously left for Newcastle, you had spells at Motherwell before, and Cove Rangers before you retired in 1993. Became obviously an SFA football development officer. Did you have a kind of a post playing career a kind of exit strategy um, did, had you been doing your badges badges while yeah, you were still playing I, yeah I'd been going down to, to Lars and doing, doing my coaching badges at the time I probably I was staying down in the Glasgow area at the time so probably would have stayed down there but then Cofrey offered an opportunity to come to go back up the road and just get into coaching mm-hmm. and do a bit of uh, sales and that as well uh, for them so I, I mean that, that was a good good experience um, and then I was actually there for three months when uh, I got a call from the SFA saying that there's going to be a post in the northeast based up in Elgin. And it was my base, but I was obviously in the northeast. It was just ideal, really, because I got family back up the road and a chance to, to get involved in coaching. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed coaching, especially uh, with the young young players. That, I mean, when I played for Aberdeen, I used to coach... Newmarket Primary School team and uh, I mean I used to go to their games on a Saturday morning like 9 o'clock uh, 10 o'clock and then get in ferry out house with my pre-match wheel and then beat Celtic in the first in the afternoon <laughs> I used to do that all, all the time and you know I really really enjoyed working with the young players so I felt it was a good opportunity to get into coaching and, and sort of start Start on that 2001, you retired Aberdeen as part of the community coaching program. You moved later on to be um, head of, head of the youth academy. I came back. So it was a similar. It was the SFA programs, but instead of like a regional area, I was actually based at, at Aberdeen and played by Aberdeen. And it was myself, John Crawford, Stuart Glennie, and Scott Anderson. We were sitting the community team delivering the SFA's program, coach education, delivering sessions to schools and basically promoting football in the North East and we had a really, really good team. And then in, uh, I think it was 2006, Lenny Taylor took up the reins as the academy director and he asked if I would join him as his assistant, uh, which was great because I really enjoyed Lenny Taylor and Bobby Clark's coaching sessions. You know, when I was, was 15 and 16 in the car park at Bedardry, a lot of respect for, for Lenny and you know, his organisation and what he's done and brought players through and young players have really had to, to take up this opportunity, which was really good. Mm-hmm. And then in 2011, eh, when Len retired, eh, I took up the, the role of the head of the academy in 2011. So, 
Yeah, it's a fantastic role. For people who maybe don't know what your, your current role is, um, can you give us an insight? I mean, you've, we've, we've seen, obviously, on Twitter, you post post a lot of stuff. You've travelled throughout Europe, um, various <laughs> tournaments and coaching conferences. And you, you mentioned earlier on um, it's good for a young player like yourself when you were playing under-17s and that, go to different countries <laughs> and see this different yeah. football works in different places. If people not know that me, I'm in charge of approximately about 30 part-time and full-time coaches and scouts. Uh, we've got Gavin Levy as the head of the coaching programme. We've got Lee McGarry in charge of our children's programme, the pre-academy, and Dot Anderson, who's our under-16s coach, who also assists uh, Barry Robson, under-18s, and Jim Fraser, who's the head of the recruitment. So that's a sort of full-time uh, staff, but, you know, a huge, a huge department. Uh, we've also got a full-time sports scientist and performance analysis and an education officer as well. So it's a, it's a huge uh, department. So we've got roughly about 100 players throughout the World Academy from under-10s right up to basically under-17s from under-17 schoolboys playing the Club Academy Scotland fixture programme, playing against Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs and all these teams on a weekly basis. Uh, we've developed a, a structured coaching programme and obviously we can now ensure that we've got a consistent uh, coaching throughout now with the squads because before <laughs> we used to train at uh, Cove, trained at the Bank City, we trained at Sports Village, we trained at uh, Bulgarney, we trained at Lawsondale. So, you know, all these sessions are going on and you, you could only be at one session really, you know, just to make sure everything's going well and just encourage everybody. And now we're at Corner Park, it's just brilliant because we can keep an eye on every day, we can ensure that there's a consistency across the board in terms of our coaching and all the coaches now are, are fantastic with the kids and obviously our aim is to get players into the first team or give them a pathway to full time football and then obviously whatever the paths will, will go from there the, you know, we've been pretty successful the last few years giving young players an opportunity you mentioned about the going to Europe because you know all experts are saying to get the best of your players, a best the best situation is what you want. So you're playing against the best players in Scotland, but what's the next best thing from that? And that's going out and playing best teams in Europe. So we regularly go to tournaments in Europe, and that's in our our plan and our philosophy. Every year, each team throughout our academy goes abroad and and samples playing against European teams and I think it's been fantastic because you go there to start with and you're looking you're playing against somebody from like Ajax or Mm -hmm. Borussia Dortmund or some some of these teams Uh, but once you've done that over four and five years you know it's just the norm and just like ourselves I mean Fergie and and Archie and Teddy used to take us to tournaments in Holland where you were playing in fact Theo Snell does I thought he was a couple of years younger than me I actually played against him when he played for FC20 and in a, in a tournament in Holland we used to go to every year and I think the experience for the for the young players and for the parents and the coaches is, is just brilliant it's really really good we've also had a close relationship with Stuart Blimey who's the performance coach at the SFA you know, the SFA have got seven performance schools in, in Scotland and Hazelhead's one of them and we've got 24 of our players attending the school where again the education and the football go hand in hand and it's just part of the curriculum and I think they receive 
I think seven hours of additional football time at the school as well and I mean there's sometimes a lot of negatives in terms of Scottish football but I really think that we're in a really good place at the moment uh, when you see the amount of players who are making into first teams and your know, young players who obviously we want to keep us <laughs> young players but we've lost that from there to Norwich Terry Taylor to, to Wolves uh, Celtic have lost uh, a young lad to Bayern Munich there's another one went to Man City from Kilmarnock you know so this is it there's a young lad from uh, Motherwell at Leeds so more and more of our top players are you know gravitating to big clubs in England or making it here in full time as well or getting opportunities in first teams so I think it's really healthy uh, football at the moment so I'm hoping that you know there'll be from years to come that you know we'll see a, an abundance of young talent uh, coming through Just finally Neil you see your long overdue testimonial benefit match in 2012 against Manchester United um, after what seemed like a long campaign for you to be awarded that game I mean it allowed firstly it obviously allowed the public to show just a high regard you and your achievements for Aberdeen through your over 20 plus years at the club are held that must have been a really special moment for you Aye fantastic just going back before that, myself and my wife were invited to the director's table at the 2012 Player of the Year Awards, mm-hmm. which wasn't the norm. <laughs> so when Richard Gordon invited me up to the stage and announced I was to receive a benefit match, I must have been in shock. But also delighted, because I've known over the years, you know, without saying anything or getting involved, I knew many fans groups had asked the question over the years. And it's obviously not for me to, to go asking her uh, that question. It was just brilliant and such a special night. And I really, I can't thank the club enough for giving me the honour and also for Sir Alec Ferguson for taking a full strength team virtually to, to Aberdeen to, to play. And it really was, uh, you know, great memories for myself and my family. A real honour to, to receive it. Unfortunately, also you were you were just you were just lined up for another operation at the time. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that back, I can't, I've mentioned about a hundred times. Yeah, I finally got an operation, <laughs> yeah, like uh, four weeks after after that uh, game. So I couldn't be uh, uh, running about in my back. It was really pretty sore, uh, but I managed to kick it, kick the, the game off. Yeah. <laughs> So it, was a, yeah. it, was a, it was a real, it was a real special evening. But that brings us to a close for this in, the interview. I, we really, Neil, I can't thank you enough. Um, no, no I, problem. I didn't, I didn't list them off at the, the start of the podcast, but I'll do it now, just, just in case people are listening that don't know. But three Scottish Cups, two League titles, a League Cup, a European Cup Winners' Cup, and a Super Cup. You've won everything there is to be won in Scottish football. You're an Aberdeen FC Hall of Famer, um, and obviously one of the Gothenburg legends. And Neil, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that one. I just want to thank Neil one more time for giving his afternoon up, uh, particularly what was an hour of my fanboying pathetic behaviour. It really was a complete pleasure to spend uh, an hour in his his company um, and hear from a bona fide Don's legend. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please um, subscribe. If you've not, if you don't subscribe already, uh, you'll get all the podcasts directly to your your feed. Uh, but until next time, we're back with you. Come on, you Reds.